Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are listening from or watching today's podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Katie Mohen, who is the founder and director of 5283, a specialist marketing and PR company supporting event organizers, suppliers, and event technology companies within the sector. Um, Katie recently launched a really exciting new event to help support the exhibition industry and specifically event marketers. And she's here to, to discuss a little bit like um, more about that. Um, I find it a little bit crazy that she's launched it during a pandemic. Hopefully we'll be out the other side of this when, when this airs. Um, but there's a very good reason for that as well, which I think we'll go into. Um, Katie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. Um, Thank you. This is my first podcast. I listened to about a thousand and this is the first I've actually been on. So, uh, well, hopefully yeah, it'll be one of the best as well. I, I <laughs> guess we've got nothing to compare it to, right? But um, everybody's got to have a first time and, you know. It's exciting, exciting. Tell, for those that are listening, tell people a little bit more about yourself, how you got into the industry, maybe a little bit more of your background, because you've been on the organiser side as, as well, right? Yes, yeah. So I, um, like a lot of people, actually fell into the industry. I, um, when I was a student, I went to Kingston University and studied English literature. And I had a family member who worked at Reed Exhibitions and the customer service team at the time, which was based in the UK, um, they needed some part-time support. And so I was one of those students that sort of studied and then had a, a job during the week, which was great because my weekends were free. And um, I worked at Reed Exhibitions and I met, it may also meant that during the, um, the holidays, I got to pick up on some extra work and I worked there full time during the holidays. And I got to work on some of the biggest shows. So World Travel Market, uh, they had marketing events um, and I would just sort of be admin support. And then um, I knew I was leaving university, so decided to, I, I loved it there, absolutely loved it there. And I um, applied for a full-time job. So I became an event administrator, as it was known then, um, for Infosecurity Europe. And there had a portfolio of events. Um, and then built from there, really. And then went into, um, stayed there for eight years. Um, became a marketing exec. Um, worked on what is now called IBTM World, but it was EIBTM back in my day. So I keep well, saying, yeah. <laughs> I keep saying EIBTM. Um, I also got the chance to work on London Book Fair. I went to Dubai and worked on the Arabian Travel Market. It was just, it was just an amazing eight years, and I just got exposed to working on so many different events, so many different industries, uh, all within marketing. I then left um, to go and work at Easy Fairs which was quite crazy at the time because I went from working in a corporate, really corporate environment to, at the time, Easy Fairs had 20 people in their UK office. Um, and I went to be marketing manager and work on um, some of their events there. So I was there for four years. Um, that was an amazing time. Just the company was just growing in a, a crazy, crazy rate. It's acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. Um, launch, 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 um, and I became event director on their engineering portfolio in the UK. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just an amazing time. I learned so much, but I just decided to sort of step off the wheel for a while. Um, and I wanted to just go and focus on marketing and um, work for in, in the other side. So supporting businesses, that's primarily what we do. We support businesses who need marketing and PR and communication support. Um, for the events industry. So we know how to speak to event organizers, not just exhibitions, but conferences, um, hotels and venues. I mean, we know the whole spectrum. And so we really specialize on getting the right communication to the right event person. Awesome. Um, I, wanna, I wanna touch just very briefly on you working for Reed and Easy Fairs, because these are two names that will be very, very, very readily known within the sector. Mm. Um, kind of kind of thrown in at the deep end as I would call it because you know two two like you say easy fares grew quite rapidly but read huge huge international um, company delivering exhibitions and events all around the world and, and so are easy fares arguably now like you kind of went in right at the deep end right you didn't work your way up through kind of the smaller event agencies or, or companies mm. or the smaller independent organizers you went right, arguably like I said right up in the top mm. what was it like working for, for those companies did you not have anything to compare it to so it was just kind of normal or did you actually really because i would imagine that that reads just threw work at you um, yeah. and kept you busy all the time what was it like to work for those companies 
you hit the ground running. Um, but I mean, when I started at Reader, I think it's a little bit different. I actually went back when I first started, when I first left Easy Fairs, I went and did a contract at Reed. So I think it's slightly different now, but mm -hmm. it was real. I mean, there was a group of about 20 people that worked in, that were my age, so young 20s that worked in marketing for Reed exhibitions across all the different portfolios. And we got on like a house on fire and we really... We, we were a bit different. We weren't, you know, in our silo shows, although we worked in our shows, we shared information and it was just, it was just constantly working together. And it was at a time when things were changing, mm -hmm. you know, marketing channels used to just be your website, emails, direct mail, a bit of advertising, a bit of PR. Yeah. Um, and things were changing, you know, social media was coming out, um, just so many more channels, so many routes to market. And so they were looking to the most junior members of the team, which was us to experiment. <laughs> you know, no, there was no, there was no courses. There was no, okay, you know, no, your Instagram in one day, although Instagram didn't The old fast kind of scenario. It was definitely that. And so it was like, all right, what have you done? What have you done? Okay, well, I've mm -hmm. done that. Okay, I've done that. Okay. So it was a lot of learning by doing it. And do you know what? I don't think much of it has changed. I think so really? many marketeers are learning by doing. Um, because there's just so many more marketing channels now, so many more, you know, when you think of an attendee acquisition, you know, even the, the tech that's involved and there's just so much to learn, so much mm. to do, and it's just constantly changing. So, um, that's, that's how we started. And so to go back to your question, it was just, it was just the most amazing time. So, and, and it was, you didn't really have the scale really. I think I remember when um, we were in Dubai, for, I was in Dubai for the first time and I was helping out Arabian travel market. And I remember there's just being thousands of people at the Dubai World Trade Center and there were thousands of people and the show was meant to open at like nine, 10. And we were just like, what's, what's going on? Why are there thousands of people? And someone said, oh, we're just, we're waiting for the shake to arrive. And it was, and I, okay. So, you know, and, and learning that you don't open the show until the Royal family is attended. And he didn't yeah. turn up till 1 p.m. You know, yeah. yeah. And there were thousands and thousands of people, you know, and that, that was just, oh, okay. Okay, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Okay, someone knew that, that was fine. Um, and then he arrived and then just seeing all that. And when you're, you know, 21 and you're just seeing that for the first time, mm just yeah it was it was it was outrageous it was amazing and it just felt it felt rock and roll I suppose looking back on it nowadays I, I, I think I call it a baptism by fire but um, <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah you know when I compare when I think about the marketing landscape myself just how we approach it here at Event Industry News there's there's so many different platforms they all work in a slightly different way in terms of engaging with the community some things resonate better on certain platforms than others and you know even through I suppose what we're doing now which is the lockdown I've seen an explosion in in kind of live streamed content as a way to engage with the community so I suppose if an organizer or an individual like yourself within an organization like that is then going maybe we should explore this you've got to kind of figure it all out yourself haven't you or maybe pay to go on probably what is maybe a really expensive course, but not specifically around the event sector, because mm. it's probably just aimed at live streaming in, in general. Mm. Um, so I can, I can just imagine how not only involved it would have been or is on a day-to-day -day basis of getting your viz prom out there and your exhibitor promotions and, and things for the sales team and you know whatever else, plus you're probably working on multiple shows at the same time, not just one project at a time. Then when something new comes up or somebody has a, you know, a spark idea of like, oh, maybe we should do TikTok. And then yeah. you've kind of got to figure that out, right? Like, yeah. And what normally happens is you're in a meeting when that happens and someone <laughs> goes, looks at you and they go, so TikTok, how are we going to implement that in our strategy? And you're like, ha, ah, okay. Um, you know, and all you've seen is your, your niece dancing on TikTok and you're thinking, what the hell is this? And then all of a sudden <laughs> someone drops it into a marketing strategy meeting and yeah definitely it's it's changing rapidly it's changing really quickly and there's just no there's no you know it's marketing channel marketing courses out there thousands of them really good ones um but i've been on a few of them and they just don't understand those doors are opening you know there's no pushing back on deadlines there's no oh well let's try this for our brand strategy those doors are opening on the event on that day and you've got to get the audience there and that's a really unique feeling it's a really unique um job and yeah. element of marketing 
let me ask you then, what, what, what did the training and support look like within somebody like Easy Fairs and Reads? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about my, you know, old history of being the sales rep and the guy. I used to get involved in marketing quite a lot before my event days, but, you know, I used to be trained like mad you know probably there was something every week if not if not some form of course that we went on every three to six months the dale carnegie's the you know the social selling the need fine selling the the email copy training and all that kind of stuff you know telephone training all that kind of stuff what what did that look like within the exhibition organizers in terms of like training for event marketers well, I would say the same for sales. So the sales guys would get weekly hauled into a meeting. They hated it. <clears throat> if they're probably honest, most of them hated it, but they would get weekly training normally from, you know, one morning. Um, they would then get one-on-one -on -one training. They would get, you know, they would listen back over their calls and they would get that instant response, instant feedback and advice from mentors. Mm. That didn't exist. Um, we were sometimes lucky to go on a, a, a yearly course um, or a yearly day. In fact, actually, when I was at Easy Fairs, we did, um, we did implement, um, it was led by um, the management team there and Ali Church um, put in, implemented a, a daily course um, where marketers went and we talked through some of, you know, training. But okay. you really had to push um, mm. and it was all down to the individual um every and everything you had to learn either on the fly or outside of working hours um or you were put on courses that just were sort of generic marketing courses and often you were they were put against your wages so you would they had to sign a contract to say you weren't going to leave for two years oh, you know right. all that wow. sort of, yeah yeah so so the the training and the and you just didn't have that constant feedback mm. um but you know that, I don't know whether that's still the same in those organisations. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more training that actually people could actually get to. But time is always a barrier as well. You know, you're running at a thousand miles an hour. You going to your boss and going, can I have a week off to go on this training course? It's going to cost <laughs> £1,500. Uh, I can tell you now that most of exhibition directors would go, yeah, okay. Um, it is really and, hard to get and that to me is is madness because right so so the sales team relies so heavily as far as i know on on inbound right as well as 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 yeah. actual people turning up because then they've got to rebook people so like your job is is integral as far as i would see it is like quite key across the whole event business because you're touching so many different aspects of the event and involved in so many different aspects actually succeeding whether that's like you say exhibitors coming through the door or visitors coming through the door you know probably campaigns that have been dealt with or, or signed off in terms of delivery for sponsors and things like that so it, it seems crazy to me to, to, to train the sales guys which are getting the money in but then not to necessarily support the the real key people within the team to, to get all that message out and deliver all that other stuff as well mm. um, for the exhibitor, for the visitor and stuff and, and not, not have the same support in place. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it is, it is, but I think that sales training is quite, you know, if you can sell the idea being that selling is a technique, it's an art, you know, salespeople are great salespeople for a reason and they can sell ice to Eskimos. Mm -hmm. Whereas with event marketing, I think it's so niche. That I just don't think there's been, programs to send people on it's not been necessarily uh, that there's a lack of want perhaps from you know senior management it's just that there's not been the actual um, programs to have that so i'm hoping that this is gonna this conference this one day course i say course it's it's more of a conference really is going to really just hit some of the topics um, that people were chatting about you know and, and maybe perhaps there's something from that that then develops but we're just going to take it take it as a one-day course and i might have to say that it's not all, all the training's not coming from me <laughs> <laughs> kit is one day crash course on how to yeah. be an event marketer Let, let's talk a little bit about this then so yeah so tell us what is the event who it's aimed at mm -hmm. and how are they going to attend if there's this barrier to funding because I think that's the interesting yeah. bit as well isn't it if like if you say that there's not the funding from the exhibition companies or, or the there's not as much funding as there should be mm. um how how, how is some is it free is somebody going to turn up to this for event for free 
Yeah, so it's, um, it's targeted at exhibition marketers. It's the content is going to be purely for exhibition marketers. So it's mm -hmm. attendee acquisition. And we will be talking as well about commercial um, strategic acquisition uh, sales and um, exhibitors and sponsors and everything. Okay. Um, the, it's all going to be hosted. So the sponsors, there will be sponsors in the room um, and they will be paying to host event exhibition marketers. Um, their sponsorship goes towards paying, covering the cost of hosting um, these guys, just because it is such a barrier. And when we go back, resources are going to be tight. Um, they are, you know, again, we, we laugh and joke about, you know, asking for a thousand pounds to go on a training course, but actually I think it's going to be even harder. So the yeah. idea is that, you know, sponsors, if we're all being very transparent, sponsors want to get in front of exhibition marketeers. Um, I didn't just want to host a conference where they just got a logo on a board that, yeah. that wasn't that, that for me, that's not an offering for sponsors. They want to get, they want to be part of the conversation. And to be honest, a lot of the people that we work with, a lot of the brands that we work with, they have really interesting insight. So a lot of these tech companies, event tech companies, you know this through Event Tech Live, the data that they hold and the things that they can tell you about your event, it's actually unbelievable. Um, I got to work on, with Glean In on their paper launch about mm. attendee acquisition through social and the stuff they had, and, and it just there's so many brilliant white papers out there. It's just amazing, you know, Grip, you can tell, Grip can tell you where you should pay, place your networking. Should it be on the exhibition stand? Should it be, should it be in its own dedicated area? Just from the data that they have. Yeah. And so whilst the, you know, we will be end users speaking, it will be um, professional speaking, we are gonna get up on stage some of the amazing tech companies not to pitch, There'll be, I'll be full editorial, I'll be standing at the back shouting at the pitch, but to show this data and to give that information, because if you're trying to design a post-COVID-19 floor plan, features, content, you're going to need to know this. You're going to need to be really strategic with how you promote, approach your marketing campaign. So Yeah, I, I totally get that because what, you, what you've got to remember or what I'm very aware of is that I am one organizer within one organization or one marketer within one organization and I'm, I'm, I'm so focused on my own event and, and maybe t time strapped as well that I've not really got time to engage with other people or other events and kind of see what what they're doing and then it's only going to be seen very much on the on the surface of what they're pushing out so I've got to make my own mind up as to whether I think that's a successful campaign or, or email copy or website copy or whatever whereas with the likes of grip and gleaning and these other providers and, and not just tech providers other people working with these teams they're getting experience inside of of lots of different types of events with lots of different attendee profiles and, and they're actually gleaning all the information from that. So, so they're best, really best place to go, okay, well, this is what's, this what's works for this type of event. This is what works for this type of event. If you were going to do matchmaking, this is what works across the board as an average. These are the outliers and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I think it's absolutely fine to, to learn from suppliers because they get access to an insight to so much more than you are as an individual within your own organization, right? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Definitely. And I think there's another aspect to it as well. Over, you know, many, many years, um, there's always been this element of competition. So mm. you, know, you can't talk to that event marketer because they're in a similar sector and they're trying to get audiences and you're going to get trying audiences. And, you know, I can't share my secrets. Those days have gone, you know, for the good of our exhibition industry and our event industry, we need to work together to get audiences back. Absolutely. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, me and my family are having conversations about whether we want to get on planes, whether mm -hmm. we want to go to these. These are personal individual conversations that everybody's having. And so we can't then go back to work and start being like, register now for our trade show, which brings in 25,000 people, because that's, <laughs> those days have gone. Um, and we only can get audiences back if we work together. And not everything is going to work for everybody because we're all trying to attract different people in different industries. But we need to share and for the good of our industry, you know, and the good of we need people to buy back into exhibitions. We need people to see the value and we need to demonstrate that we can only do that together. Um, and I think time now's the time for sharing. And you know, what? actually, the people that I work with all the time, they love sharing. Yeah. Um, I think competition is such a that sort of is so old fashioned. 
Um, it's not the people that I work with. The people that I work with, um, I've got in WhatsApp groups of all different yep. levels, and we just say, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I think that's what people really, truly want, you know. So I think. So let's maybe give those listening or watching a little taste of what kind of content or advice or, or support they might receive from your event because it's already costing them nothing so like why wouldn't yep. you go um the content's going to be editorial led so yes they're going to hear from suppliers and other people that are making that event happen let's remember uh, and, and that's going to be one element of it maybe katie you could offer some advice to those listening or thinking like what the hell do i do right now like events aren't happening so i can't really promote event yeah i guess they've got a plan for when events can happen and almost move on it as soon as that that has there's the whole hybrid and virtual kind of spanner in the works that's been thrown at people probably like promote this webinar or we're doing this virtual event blah, blah, blah. like what would your advice what would you be doing right now if you were still within reading and, and easy affairs and you had total autonomy like where would you be focusing your efforts right now so I think there's two camps here. There are the camps that have been furloughed. Um, so those people um, need to, you know, they're not working. Um, mm -hmm. they're, you know, and they're, but it's a great time for them to focus on training themselves. So if I'm in the furlough camp, if I'm working for a Reed or Easy Fairs or any exhibition organiser and I've been furloughed, I'd be focusing on training. There is so much amazing training out there at the moment um, that's free or really, really dead cheap um, that you can just, just see, just to get yourself coming back firing, but just to make yourself a better marketing professional. So if I was furloughed right now, I'd be, you know, going on IMEX Planet, IBTM Connect, they're all free, they're sharing all of their content. And I don't know how many exhibition marketers actually got to go to any either of those shows. But you know, that's great content. Loads of white papers out there. I mean, I've got lists and lists of, you know, I'm happy to share them with people of um, good reading, um, educational bits, you know, Laura Davidson, um, Tag Digital, she did a podcast with you, I think a few weeks ago. Um, and I listened to that, that was sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. And, and I learned more about SEO than, you know, I have done for a long time. Because even if you don't know, you don't need, to, you know, in-depth knowledge about SEO, to find the right supplier and to find the right person that can help you, you're going to need sort of top level knowledge. There's even free coding out there. You know, people get to know coding, get to know new skills that to help them to build back on that. So those are for the furloughed people. Um, but for people that are actually working at the moment, I think the, there's a few things to focus on. Um, focus on your big rocks. So when you hit back that desk, I call them the big rocks. They are the big things. That okay. Don't don't focus on the little things. Don't you know? No admin. This isn't time for admin. This is time for big things that are going to get people to your show. And so the first thing I would do is to get out my post-show report from last year and look at who, how, where did my attendees come from? Forget pre-reg because you know, pre-reg and conversion, those numbers, we don't know what that's gonna look like. Where did my attendees come from last year? That, you know, you might have to fit, condense four, your traditional 12 weeks into four weeks, say for example, yeah. of promotion. So where, what are the big things that you can do? And really, really focus on those big things. Um, remember, your data might be a little bit out of date because you know, you can send people emails to their work address, but they also might be furloughed or, or they might have lost their jobs. You know, I did read in the FT weekend the other day that a lot of people that are furloughed have lost their jobs. They just don't know it yet, which is a horrific thing to read. And I'll sort of, sort of bolt to that, but it is true. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a huge change in data. So how are you going to really get to those people? I would also realign your event message. Um, to stop, don't talk about being the leading exhibition in your industry, no one cares. Um, and also the expectation on delivering those numbers that you've previously had, you know, you've gone out with, you can't go out with those anymore. So you need to change the message. And I, it sounds a bit um, airy-fairy, but I would say meditate on your personas. Mm, so okay. who are you trying to attract? Like just take 10 minutes to think about who you're trying to attract to your event they might still be furloughed. They might have lost their jobs. They might have, you know, their businesses might have crashed. How are you going to speak to them? How are you going to be more human? What's important to them right now? Because they don't care about your trade show. 
so you need to make them care you need to make it part of a bigger message and once you've got that message i would put it into a one-liner a 50 word a hundred word 150 word value prop doc and i would share it with my team so that everybody is working from the same page the sales team are saying the same things you're saying the same things the management are saying the same things and it's all just aligned it's personable it's it's emotive it's you know empathetic and it's you know it's just empowering your team really to to all speak from the same song sheet sing from the same song sheet um, so yeah. I really love the idea of the documents everybody singing from the same hymn sheet because I think when people do eventually come back and events are happening again or on the build up to, to happening, um, there's just going to be this mad panic and rush, isn't there? There's going to be everybody's going to be throwing everything they can in it, the sales team, the marketing team, operations. Things are going to be moving at a million miles an hour, not only because I suppose the events probably the event cycle in terms of marketing cycle and the sales cycle is going to shrink rapidly. Mm. Um, but things are going to change on a daily basis. You know, headline sponsorship might go one day and, and this time might go the next. And then we've got to do, we've got this visitor on board and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's really important actually to, and I could see value myself in my own event in everybody having, this is the vision. This is everything that we're saying. This is how we're saying it. This is our message because I guess, not trust so much, but an event could be quickly eroded if people are saying different things within the team to, to, to potentially the same people, right? Yeah. Um, if you're sending out a piece of marketing for, you know, to promote to exhibitors and sponsors and the sales team are, say, are saying something ever so slightly different, then all of a sudden, you know, they could be, the, the exhibitor could be like, well, which one is it? Like, what's happening? Do I trust this event? Um, all that kind of stuff. And really your what? sales and your marketing, your sales and your um, attendee acquisition, if you've got eight weeks to sell a show, you're, you should be fully transparent with your offering mm. to both visitors and exhibitors. You, you haven't got time to be rewriting it for every single audience. You should have something that speaks to every audience. Um, but again, not be generic. It's, it's a balancing act not to be generic, but it's open and transparent and compassionate. What would your advice as well then be around the messaging, which is something we've never really had to do as an industry before, but almost the messaging that needs to be in place to make people feel safe about coming back to an event if they can travel. And, and, and for me, planes aren't really the bigger issue. It's even more just general public transport. You know, an event in London will rely heavily on the TFL network to get those people there from King's Cross, you know, it, on the tube, if they're coming from the, the outskirts and things like that, like this is a whole new thing that we're going to have to have as part of our event marketing, right? Like how would you approach the whole, I, I guess it's the feeling around people coming to an event, right? People, people love to go to events because it makes them feel good, but there's now this potential fear of infection and other things like what, what would you be your advice there what, what would you focus on for in terms but of messaging it's, it's really tricky i think what corona the covid19 um pandemic has done is it's really brought things down to the individual mm. and so you need to speak to the individual and speak to them as if they were you know a member of your family you know it's it, it, the psychology behind it of actually and even if they do make it on the trains and they do make it to your events and then they're going to have what? They're going to have temperature checks and then they're going to have, you know, the psychology of seeing that. You just say, oh, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's not the welcoming environment that we've always tried to build. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, always transparency and compassion. What does that mean? I think if you need to and this is something that i would you know definitely talk to your sort of managing and this is where being a commercially led strategic marketeer will come into it you need to speak to your senior leadership teams about what your event's going to look like you know if you are physically having 25,000 people is that appropriate is that going to happen and actually if you're not going to have that many people because people aren't traveling then actually having a reduced audience is going to serve you really well in that environment. Because yeah. psychology, if I said to you, you normally go to World Travel Market, which has 26,000 visitors, you might go, oh God, I'm not going to do that. But if I said to actually, due to COVID-19, we're not going to have as many visitors, we're only going to have 10,000, you might go, okay, your anxiety level might come down a little bit. 
and this is what we're doing and this is how we're putting it in place and UFI is actually releasing guidelines um, on what organizers can do but I would say go over and above um, our client Oman Expo have taken the UFI guidelines and what they've actually done is they've made it geo-relevant so they've mm. added in there's lots there that they haven't added in if you haven't put in obviously that it relates to prayer rooms and relates yep. to facilities so think about what you can do as a show to go over and above um i, I met a company called the other day called um, let's sanitize and they had the sanita sanitation hand sanitizer um it was like a, a, a tech it had a, it was all branded and everything you know show people that you know this is yep. what we're doing and i think if you're clear and transparent with those steps don't try to hide behind it you're clear and transparent with those steps and um, people that sort of and bring that anxiety level down a bit that sounds like i'm trying to avoid you know the curve i'm not talking about the curve <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that's really good practical advice you know from what i'm taking actually it could be an advantage to promote in an enforced reduced attendance almost that as the organizer you are leading that way because it prevent presents a safer environment on the whole for those attendees um, not to exclude anybody from the event. Obviously, we wouldn't want to exclude anybody from the event. But I guess there's always an element of an event which we have industry folk that might not necessarily be that key buyer or that key individual that needs to be at the event. And, and maybe there's other ways that we can service those. But yeah, I suppose to encourage those those really key top 30, 40% of people that, that that make the event happen in terms of budgets, you know, focusing on those the, their personas and making sure that they're comfortable mm. i suppose highlighting the fact that these measures are in place especially if people want to find out like i think having that information online or as part of your copy etc it's kind of like the cctv and security measures in it you like you don't you don't walk up to a venue and see a couple of cctv cameras and, and a few security guards and all of us all of a sudden think like danger no, you, you, you accept that as actually part of the bit that makes you feel more safe because you know that those things are in place. Right. So to see hand sanitizers or to see communication from an organizer about how what what steps they're taking to, to, to make it a safe environment. I think it's a I think it's a really good way. I, I would probably say just don't go too far. And, and then it's almost like you, you're actually instilling fear because you're like, well, we need to do everything. Otherwise, it's a deadly place. Right. So yeah. I, I think that's really good advice. Kit. I really do. I think. I think we'll take from that for sure. I think one of the, the best ways to do that, to add the channel to deliver that is video as well. Mm -hmm. Having your event director, you know, speak to your audience. This is what we're going to do. You know, that is the most human way to deliver that message. Um, definitely have it in writing as well. But video is, I mean, video is so much more powerful and I just think it's so much more human. Um, that could be, you know, just, they would just speak to your audience and just let them know that you're listening to them and that you're on their side. Okay. What about if you've been thrown, we're going to do a virtual event? Like, does that differ in terms of marketing strategy? Would you approach it differently as, as not having a physical place for that event to, to manifest itself? Or is it just exactly the same? You're essentially attendee acquisition marketing. It's exactly the same. They're just joining online rather than a, than a physical place to place. Cause I, I would imagine there's a lot of people going, is this different? Is it not? How does, how does it play out? What would, you, mm. what would your advice be around that? I think for virtual events, it's really similar, really, really similar in, in terms of attendee acquisition, but you just got to get your offering right mm -hmm. and managing expectations. I mean, so many times it's gone, yeah, this is a virtual event. And then I've logged on and it's, and it's a Zoom call and there's nothing wrong with Zoom call. We're using Zoom now, yep. but um, don't promote it as, a, as a, an event. It's, it's just a Zoom call. Um, it, promote it for what it is and so uh, don't overhype it up right this yeah, no, immersive no. online engaging never seen before <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're going to interact with your speakers like never before it's like yeah. okay great um and content is huge obviously content mm -hmm. is so much more important because people can't have the same human connection face to face that they mm -hmm. do online your content is where you lead and, and content we lead from uh, exhibitions generally all, all, always, but there's always sort of, you can read the content, but you can watch the content, but you can also meet people face to face. And so actually the content becomes much more important on virtual events. Um, and actually virtual events have a, a real benefit. Um, well, have so many benefits, but you can get some key speakers that you'd never normally be able to get on a virtual event. 
um, you know, that just wouldn't travel to the NEC on a Tuesday. Yep. Maybe they would sign in for an hour on, you know, and, and, and talk to an audience. You know, the, the opportunities are huge. I think, I, think, I think that's a very valid point. We know that some of those top tier CEOs, directors, you know, they're, they're so, so busy. That a, a day at an event, a lot of the time, doesn't necessarily make sense, right? But that's not to say that they're disinterested with the content mm. or with the people that are in, as part of it. They're just time strapped, right? And yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think actually doing online or even hybrid presents an opportunity to at least capture their attention and get them involved, even if it's for a short amount of time. Yeah, And that could still mean lots of value to somebody, whether it's that exhibitor, that speaker, that sponsor. And I think there's, it's valuable even just to have them as part of the, the tick list on attended this event, right? Especially if you're going into marketing in a subsequent year as, as this person attended our event. Yeah, and we had, so when London Book Fair years ago, we got some feedback um, that said, you know, they had all of the publishing houses there we're taking big stands and I don't know if you've attended London Book Fair, but it is, it's just an insane trade show. So is Frankfurt Book Fair. Mm -hmm. You know, they have, those people are there. They have meetings every 15 minutes from nine until 6 PM and you get wow. in their way, you know, it, you know, they're there, they're selling the rights to Harry Potter and you know, all, all of it. It's really, it's a really high energetic event. But one of the biggest things was the feedback that we got was that they're not seeing senior level people there. They weren't seeing the CEOs, they weren't seeing the MDs. So we opened the show um, with a roundtable breakfast for the CEOs and we invited them, we put on cars for them. We got, you know, a, we paid a lot of money to get a really super duper speaker. You know, we got really good sponsorship from it as well. But and it, the breakfast level was, you know, it was, it was class basically, an event for these, these top personas. And they attended. And then what they would do is they would then go down and they would then walk around the show just for the opening morning. And then they'd go away to their offices in, in London somewhere. But it just meant that those faces were there. And I think that that's really important. You know, if you want to have an industry event, you're going to need to attract those key people. And then their staff will lead by example. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to have a, an event where you've got the top dog there, you know, you, the top dog will then all their stuff will go oh, hang on a second my, my manager's there or my yeah. MD's there I should mm. be there too so definitely put on some high level content I think I think as we return to live events and live exhibitions that that right there is probably a great way to to get those people involved at an event as part of it mm. um, rather than just throwing them into the straight into the big mix of the exhibition and conference right do something specifically for them and, and manage that socially distanced if you need to and, and protect those 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 people and then if they want to kind of because it's part of the bigger event if they want to go into the rest of it then it, then they're already on the doorstep aren't they mm. um I, I think that's a really good idea something that i'm gonna have to talk to my team about doing around events like um, I, think, I think there's another audience as well that people are you know when we go back and you've raised a really good point you know you're we're anxious about going back to events there are people vulnerable people who yeah. have been shielding and and they don't necessarily have out you know outward facing um lesser abilities you know we've spoken before about um being you know, better access for wheelchairs etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's another la layer to that now there's so many more people who've been shielding and vulnerable and they won't be able to just come back to your trade show yeah and so having a hybrid of content, giving those people perhaps the content online, streaming it online, is not just for the people that can't be bothered to make it out of your face, it's for the people that can't actually, yeah. haven't been able to make it out of home yet, but perhaps are still working from home for shielding. And I think those people, those vulnerable people who've been signed, you know, they've had letters from the government to say you're not allowed to leave your house for three months, those people need to be considered. And especially if you, this is why I talk about meditating your persona, how many of your people could actually be in that vulnerable category and how many of your people actually won't physically be able to attend your event. So how will you get that content to those? Cause they might be regular attendees, you know, and they might miss out on the opportunity. So keep them involved and keep them engaged. So more inclusive yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Like and sustainable, right? Lots of companies want to promote sustainability. And I think that that presents that as an opportunity as well. Um, I want to make sure that we, we definitely 
give people a good overview of, of what this event is because we've talked about it offline lots and I think it's, yes, it's yeah. super interesting. So what have we not touched upon which, you know, event marketers are going to gain out of, of coming to your, to your event? We've yeah. talked about attendee acquisition. We've talked about persona. Yeah. What else have you curated as part of that, that day of knowledge transfer and knowledge and, and learning? What would they walk away with that we've, we've not touched upon? Is there anything there? Yeah, so the, the structure is going to be, um, a lot of the content is going to be decided. So when the official, we open officially, registra- officially open registration, we're going to ask people um, what sort of topics that they want because it needs to be applicable to the people that are attending. So is there any sort of hot topics they'd like to cover? Um, I think personally, um, we talk a lot about digital marketing, but mm-hmm. digital marketing is just marketing. Um, and, <laughs> and a lot of the marketing that we're going to be doing when we come back is going to be digital. So I'm going to focus on SEO, PPC, paid social, all of that as, as, a, as a route to market um, and how that might work. Other content that we're going to be talking about is tech. So what attendee tech is there out there um, and does it work? and people have used it and why they've used it and how they've used it um so there's there's lots of opportunities out there lots of tech companies are promising to bring you an audience but how does that work and and is that applicable in such a short period of time um we're going to be talking about commercial and strategic it's important that marketers put their you know get themselves on those boards get themselves at the table at the conversation table and to do that they need to be thinking strategically and commercially um, they might not think of them as sales, themselves as salespeople, but they need to be sales-minded um, mm. because, unfortunately, you know, we, money does thrive our business, and getting money in allows you to have more marketing budget. So, do support your sales team because ultimately they might open up a bit more marketing budget for you. Um, but how people do that and how how those conversations happen, and then um, I'm going to finish the end of the day um, on what we need to do the market what marketers need to do to better themselves so what talent do they need to bring to the table um i'm hoping to get a round table discussion with um, some head senior bods some senior heads of marketing um perhaps some managing directors to come to say what they're looking for in the future of marketers what do they what do we think the industry is going to look like um, and what do we need to do as marketers to to make ourselves better and more adaptable to change in the future Interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Now you, in, you mentioned something really interesting there with what does the future of the industry look like? So, so two questions, a double barrel question for you. Mm-hmm. What excites you the most in terms of the opportunities for event marketers mm-hmm. and what scares you the most? What do you think is the biggest challenge going to be um, when it comes to event marketing so you, by all by all means answer that however you want but that does matter too like what's the biggest challenge and what's the biggest opportunity maybe so the thing that scares me the most um is the reality of how much our resources are going to be cut mm. in the next six months i mean i i was marketing exec in 2008 and um, my marketing team went from five people to two people including my marketing manager got cut and that's scary and um, it's really, it's emotional, it's hard, um, it, it means that you're going to burn out at some point if you're, cause you're still trying to be running and you're still going a thousand miles now and you've got less resources. So that's what's scary for me. Well, that is scary to me, not only because we are in a business where we're encouraging people to spend on marketing. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But you know, we're terrible as an industry. We just often tell people to do something and then do something else completely. <laughs> um it's that's just the truth really um so that's quite scary um because i'm worried for the burnout of marketers um and um but the opportunity is huge in that the marketers are there are going to have to adapt quicker they're going to have to they'll be able to show themselves you know they'll be able to deliver audiences because face-to-face is still um is still there. People can't wait, you know, I mean, how is it? Mm. I can't wait to see my family. I can't wait to see, we've even spoken about, you know, industry drinks, you know, can't wait to get involved face to face. So face to face is still there. Um, And it's a really great time to drop the legacy, drop that direct mail that you've hated doing. It doesn't get you any visitors, but someone somewhere in your senior leadership team always asks about it. This is the opportunity to drop some of that legacy rubbish that has been holding you back. It doesn't deliver 
and just and say, oh, well, you know, I've got limited resources. This will deliver. This will bring us attendance. And so it's a really exciting opportunity. Um, and yeah, and it's, I just, it's, I'm really excited for the trade shows to open again. <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we, aren't we all? I think um, I I'm wait. right there with you, Kate. I want. It, seems, it sounds daft, but I can't wait to get back into an exhibition hall. And I know we all talk about, oh, another exhibition hall, another, they're all the same. But I, I genuinely, I think that's because it's one of those things, isn't it? You only, you only truly miss what you miss until you've not got it, right? So somebody's yeah. taken, taken we've, we as an industry probably take events and exhibitions for granted because we attend so many, we're involved in so many, we work on so many. Um, but they are truly special. It's what kept me coming back to this sector, even though I tried to leave a couple of times um, mm. for my sins. You know, it, it, it just has something so special about it. And it's such a key part to every sector out there in making business and connection and, and, and people work together and happen. Mm. But yet it's such a quite a small sector as well. You know, it's, it's quite, it's quite, networked that you know it's, it's it's i don't think it's even like that seven connections till you know somebody it's kind of like two in it it's like you know i know somebody over there yeah i mean i know that person um but i think that's what's beautiful about it and, and i agree with you i think the biggest opportunity is is actually the growth of events out of this hmm. um i feel personally like event marketers event organizers event producers have actually been able to take pause ever so slightly um, possibly being forced down the pivoting route or the hybridization route in, in the short to medium term as a way to, to breathe life back into events and to, to make them happen and to deal with reduced attendance or reduced spend, etc. But actually, I think it's a bit of a tipping point for me that, you know, I come from digital publishing and I see the massive opportunities for event businesses to all of a sudden really harness online mm. marketing. Mm. So, so I don't know whether you agree with this, but something I've been kind of preaching about before is, is using platforms that are existing where people already reside, like Facebook and LinkedIn, and building communities yeah. as a way to either further bolster an event mm. um, or even to launch events out of. I think, I think that's a, a huge potential of we set up a event tech help group. So for quite niche, you know, it's open format. There's no real direction there. People ask for help and people respond if they're into. That's up to nearly 1,500 people. There's some, there's some Facebook groups that are much, much bigger than us. Um, and I think, you know, if you've, if you've got a product, let's say it's open banking or the, or the book industry or, you know, art or whatever, the tools are out there for, for event organizers and marketers to start building these these groups of individuals, like-minded individuals around a, around a mm. thought process and then either feed them and funnel them into an event or even launch off the back of it because you know you've got an already made audience, you know. Yeah. If, if somebody had 5,000 people in a group, are you telling me they couldn't launch an event for that group? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's free. Yeah. So, and, it's, and the, opportunities, the opportunities are endless. And I think it's the real opportunity here is that people, community, you know, for so long, we've been just talking about top line numbers, you know, leading exhibition, we do this, we do that. Actually, mm. now's the time to talk to people as human beings um, and to really bring that kindness economy. You know, people on planet, let's bring that, that straight into our events. Let's lead by example. Let's, you know, and also if you can't tell people to book a stand at a trade show, if you haven't booked a trade show. So if you're an event, Go and book at another event, support our industry, support who you are, support the people and be part of the community. Read the industry magazines, be part of the conversation. This is a real, real opportunity for people, I think, to engage with on another level, really. Oh, that, that reminds me of a very interesting email conversation I had with a supplier maybe 12 months ago who we approached about our exhibition and they went, exhibitions don't work. And I was like, but you supply those guys. <laughs> like, how can you say that? So I think you're right. You know, it, it's very much about supporting our industry. And we're the same. We we exhibited at Confex, and it was a it was a, a brilliant exercise, not only for our team but to support um, that event. And and I'm glad we did because it was kind of like the last one that we did before before all this before all this took place. Mm. I think that's what I really like about your event and and the fact that it's niche in, in terms of aimed at 
event marketers because I think it presents a great opportunity f- to, to strengthen your network within that, right? To, to mm. talk, yeah, okay, to talk to your competitors, but to learn from others, discuss challenges, and, and probably that, that platform doesn't present itself very often within our sector. Yeah. Because where they are at other events, maybe it's the AO awards or other things, you know, it's, it's not that environment to, to talk about shop, is it? It's, it's kind of focused on other things. So yeah. fair play to you for, for launching this. When, when does registration go live, by the way? Uh, shortly, in about a month's time. Okay. So, so um, we, will, we are recording this for everybody that's listening on the 19th of May. Yeah. So um, we will put a, either a registration link in the show notes or at least somewhere that you can sign up to be notified by Katie mm-hmm. um, when the event officially is live for registration and you yeah. can pop your details on there to apply. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Katie, though, where can people connect up with you or find out more about 5283 or the event? Where can they go? Where should they look? Well, so our website, uh, we're currently um, not rebuilding our website, but we're currently sort of editing our website. We're, mm-hmm. we're using this gift of time uh, to, to edit our website. So our website's uh, 5283.com, um, which um, you'll see. Um, I'm also on social media, all the social channels. Um, and that's probably the best way to connect with us at the moment um, or just drop us an email. Um, we're, here to, we're here, we're offering some support emotionally uh, and practical and strategy support um so we're open for calls if people just want to have a 20 minute chat about find out more about us um we're doing a lot of that at the moment so anybody who who just wants to find out whether to work with us or just more about the exhibitions and events industry then um or even if they're working with their event marketer themselves and they're kind of like i don't know what to do i don't know where mm-hmm. to go um i don't know what my next steps are i'm worried about when i go back um we you know we are see us as your trusted partner um mm-hmm. everything you everything people say to us is totally confidential um and people who are here to, for people to have honest and transparent conversations and give the best advice we can so um yeah do get in touch awesome mate well thank you very much for coming on today thank i will absolutely want to do a follow-up post event to see Brilliant. some of what the learnings came out of it and what that content looked like at the time because i'm sure there will be tips, tricks, and things that we can share with the with the wider event community. Um, I'm looking forward to attending. I'll definitely be there myself. Are you uh, going to register? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I'd love to report on it. I think I think it I think it presents a really interesting, focused event um, on on you know challenges that we have our, ourselves around our exhibition and conference. So that that's mm. yeah i think it, it it would be mad not to attend personally if i'm if i'm in this field so um guys thank you very much for listening today or watching please do connect up with katie um and the rest of the team at 5283 check out the event if you are an exhibition and event marketer um i think you will provide um, glean huge value from from that content that's being delivered there by katie and her sponsors if you like today's content give it a share give it a like um put it on social media lost for words then um you know share it and and let others learn from from the same tips and tricks that katie provided here today um and we'll see you in the next one Mm -hmm.